welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying, lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for, the, for, shall not be atoned for by the sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. If it is the, sorry, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So we, yeah, that was awesome, right? Like, um, so we're entering into this series called The Practice of Presence, and that video sums it up so perfectly because uh, what, this, what spiritual disciplines are about, guys, they're not about tasks, right? They're not about checkboxes. They're not about checklists. They're not about us doing something for God. They're about us doing something with God. They're about us being in his presence. But yet, they still take practice. If you notice on that graphic, flash that graphic up there, Josh. 
if you have it. Do you have it? No? Okay. If you notice on the graphic, you'll see it all over social media and, and everything. Um, practice repeats itself in the graphic. It's, it repeats itself over and over again, because these are disciplines. They require us to do them again and again and again and again. But they're about practice. Guys, if, if, you're, if you're hearing from God, and you're, you're, uh, the presence of God stops by opening this and closing this, then you've missed the point. If it stops and starts with an amen, then you've missed the point. Like, it's about the presence of God. Dude, are, you, are you getting me here? Like, if, if your prayer life stops with an amen, then, you don't, then you're, not, you're not understanding what a prayer life is for. Like, this is a lifestyle. It's us being with the Father. It's us being in the presence of Jesus. It's us being with the Spirit, right? It's Trinity life. It's the practice of presence. So if you notice in that graphic, too, each of those, each of those things represents a different spiritual discipline that we're flashing on the screen. Uh, and then we'll go, throughout all, we'll go through all of these this summer and talk about what this means for us as a church and what it means for you individually. So uh, let's, let's jump right in. I, I'm getting started 17 minutes later than normal, so I'm going to go fast, okay? Because I have to preach the entire chapter of Samuel. So, uh, like, yeah, I'm going I'm to try to go really fast. I'm going to cut some stuff out, but it's still going to be a word from the Lord, hopefully. So, um, when Emerson was three, Emerson, I have a, Emerson's nine now, when she was three years old or four years old, her and Reagan used to play on this app called like monkey preschool math or monkey lunchbox math or I don't know, something like that, right? Monkey math. We'll just say monkey math for short. And uh, they, someone gave them, they had this iPad and, uh, and at that age we'd always do, just a note, this is like an aside to parents, uh, we always did educational stuff. Like we, we never did anything not educational on the iPad for them. Um, and like even today, they don't even they don't do YouTube. So if your kid at, at three or four is already hooked on YouTube, change that habit in them. Break that habit in them. So uh, back to this monkey math. We, she, would, she would do this at teacher. <laughs> is this monkey or teacher math? And, and this monkey would, would say, like, uh, would celebrate when, when she got something right, and it would, it would like, shake his head and go, mm-mm, when she got something wrong. And, and one day, we were sitting around the dinner table, and Emerson looks at me and she says, she says, uh, hey daddy, two plus two equals four. And I was like, oh, that's so good, sweetie. That's awesome. She's all proud of herself and she says, I learned that from a monkey. <laughs> and, and I died laughing, of course. But she, she trusted that monkey, right? She was learning this math from a monkey. She trusted that monkey to teach her that two plus two equals four. Who are you trusting for truth? What are you trusting for truth? What are you being discipled by? Do you realize that you are constantly being discipled? You're constantly hearing uh, voices from different people, from different aspects of society, from all different arenas. You're constantly being discipled. Are you being discipled by our culture, by our city, by Christ? What are you being discipled by? If you don't think you're being discipled by your city, just look at what you're wearing today. 
When I moved to Toronto, I looked, you can see a picture of me looking, I, I almost, I was gonna flash one up here. The way I looked then and the way I look now, I mean, look at my hair, for crying out loud, right? Like, I, there's, there's this, we're always being discipled, and Toronto has discipled me to a certain extent. But what are we trusting for truth? What are we trusting for truth here? Here at Trinity Life, we define discipleship in a very unique way. Uh, we define it by learning to recognize the voice of God. It's about hearing, trusting, and obeying. It's hearing God's voice, trusting his voice, and walking forward in obedience. If, you ha- if it doesn't end in obedience, you haven't heard his voice. And a lot of us, we're following the voice of other things in the world. And that's where we're walking forward in obedience. And you could say, well, no, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty good there. But just, just think about it for a second. How, in your daily life, what, what voices shape your heart? What voices fill your mind? What voices uh, tell you uh, how to make decisions? Right, are you in the presence of God in all those things? At your workplace, at your home, at what you're watching on, on a screen, at what you're looking at on social media, at uh, what music you're listening to. Would you say that God's presence is in all those arenas? And if you can, then, then you'll see where you're being discipled. Samuel here, he, you heard in this passage, he hears the voice of God, but he doesn't yet recognize the voice of God. Right, so, so we are, so when I say discipleship is learning to recognize the voice of God, it's this process in knowing what God's voice sounds like. For many of you, Jesus could show up right now in front of your face and speak to you, and you wouldn't recognize it was him. That's exactly what happened to Samuel. God came and he stood, and he didn't recognize him, right? How many of us would be like that? Because we don't know what Jesus sounds like. We don't know what the Spirit of God sounds like. Uh, the bottom line for this entire series is this. We're going to take this throughout the, the entire series. Is, is that God is not satisfied with a personal relationship. He actually desires a covenant relationship. You know, for a long time when I was growing up, and this was really big. God wants you to have a personal relationship. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus as Lord? Uh, what's your personal relationship with Jesus like? We use that terminology. And what we've done is we've individualized our faith. And we've taken it out of covenant. And here's something, guys. Covenant always requires community. Always. Covenant requires community. If you're not in a covenant relationship with God, Odds are you're in community, and odds may be you're not even in a relationship with God. Because an individual personal relationship with God just is, is not sufficient. God desires something more for you. He desires something much greater for you. And we see this played out in Samuel's life. So let's, let's go in this passage. Starting in verse uh, 1, chapter 3, he says, Now the boy Samuel 
was ministering to the Lord. Whenever you see Lord there in all caps in your Bible, it's referring to the personal name of God, the intimate name of God, Yahweh, given in Exodus chapter 3. So in your translations, you will have Lord not in all caps, which is a single, it's just capitalized at the front. That is a different word in the original language. Uh, this word in Hebrew is Yahweh. It's I will be what I will be. I am what I am from Exodus chapter 3 when Moses in the burning, uh, with the burning bush says, who shall I say sent me? And, and God reveals his, his name there. So when you see Lord there, it's an indication that something very intimate and personal is actually about to, to happen. So now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Is the word of the Lord rare in your life? Is there no frequent vision in your life? How are you hearing from God today? And we, I'll ask that to people sometimes. I think that's like a common question around our church. Like, what is God speaking to you, right? Well, what are you hearing from God lately? What's he speaking to you? Um, but if you can't answer that, that's not a problem with God. That's a problem with you. That's a problem with your heart. If you say, well, I don't know what God's speaking. I, don't, I haven't heard anything from God. That's not God's fault. That's your fault because he makes himself accessible. Do you know every time you open this book, you have a guaranteed encounter with the Holy Spirit? These are his words. This, this book, according to the book of Hebrews, is life. It's living. It's active. It's breathing. It's, it's cutting. It's... It's, uh, according to Paul in, in, uh, in Timothy, he says, it's good for rebuking, correcting, teaching, training in righteousness, all things we love, right? <laughs> can't wait to open this and get rebuked, right? I can't wait to open this and be trained into something that my flesh says no to. Like, I'm trained in unrighteousness, right? The Bible trains us in righteousness. That, no wonder we don't want it. So, it says here, uh, the word of the Lord is rare in those days. So why? Why was there no frequent vision? And chapter 2 gives us all the details. So in chapter 2, this is what's going on. Eli has these other two sons. The Bible actually says they were worthless men. The, the literal translation is they were sons of Belial, wickedness, unrighteousness, worthlessness. And so it's, it's almost this, this, um, this double meaning here where it says, because in verse 12 it says, now the sons of Eli were actually sons of Belial. And it's almost saying, maybe Eli is a father of that. And, and you see in this prophecy that, that, that Michelle read that Eli didn't do what was necessary. So um, his sons are totally like off the rails here. So there's this, they, people go up and sacrifice, and this was back in the Old Testament. They do these sacrifices for atonement purposes and they give peace offerings, and they give burnt offerings, and they give grain offerings, and they give all these different types of offerings. And, uh, and when they gave an animal, there's this practice where the, this, they're, they're giving this animal, they're trying to burn off all the fat, and, and when they do, the priest can stick in a three-pronged fork, and, or the priest's servant actually does it, but it goes to the priest. He sticks in this fork, and he pulls out the meat. And whatever he pulls out, whatever comes off, belongs to the priest. Okay? And, and so Eli's sons would go before it was fully burned off, before the fat was fully burned off, and they would tell the people who were giving the sacrifice, hey, it's time. And they're like, no, 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 it's not, it's not time. And they'd say no, and they'd force people to pull the meat out. So they would do it early. They'd force people to give them what they thought they deserved. 
And, and, and the sin here is Eli's sons, who were priests, they think they deserve something. They think they're entitled to something that is actually the Lord's. What are you taking from God this morning that is actually his? And for those of you who are followers of Jesus this morning, you'd say, um, nothing. I think I'm pretty good in that, in that arena. And, and listen to me. I'm not talking about stealing someone's sacrifice here. I'm not talking about large sums of money, although the majority of you don't tithe very well or consistently, right? So we steal from God in, in that regard. The majority of us don't practice the spiritual discipline of giving very well, right? So we're not in God's presence in our giving. Right? We've, we've isolated ourselves from his giving, but I'm not talking about that. Uh, we'll talk about that sometime in the summer. Uh, what I'm talking about is something more fundamental than that, something more basic than that. And that's your values. That's your priorities. It's your schedule, your time. What are you stealing from God in those arenas? What are you taking that actually belongs to the Lord and saying, no, this is mine? You know, I talk to you all the time, uh, and they, they come to me for their problems. They come to me about, uh, they want counseling, and they want, and, and guys, you can do that. I, I love that. I love walking people through things. But one of the questions I always start with is, how are your spiritual disciplines? How are you hearing from God? Because as a follower of Jesus, if that is off, odds are everything, well, yeah, odds are highly in that favor. Everything else is going to be clouded, Okay? Everything else, everything else is going to be off because you're not in the presence of the Spirit, right? When you've said, you know you are supposed to be, right? Now, I'm not saying that, hear me right, I'm, hear me well, I'm not saying that this is going to cure everything in your life. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, let's just start here as followers of Jesus. Can we do that? Can we agree to that? Like, if, if I have a problem down here, whether it's mental, emotional, physical, uh, whatever it is, um, psychological, whatever it is, why don't I just start where I know God is? I'll just start here. I know God's here. Why don't I consistently be here? Now, now like I said, that's not going to cure everything. Now then, let's move on down the line and, and figure other things out, okay? But if you say to me, if you come to me and you say, well, I, I don't know, last time I... I read the Bible was, you know, six months ago. I'm going to say, hey, there's no condemnation, as, as he mentioned earlier. There's no condemnation, but you're supposed to live life in the Spirit, right? Is the Spirit ruling you? Or is something else ruling you? Let's move you to where the Spirit and His peace rules your heart. Let's do that first. Let's get that in order, because that's really, guys, if you come to me, that's all I'm going to tell, like, that's all I can do for you. Like, I, I, <laughs> I'm a doctor, I have a PhD, but it's a spiritual doctor. I can't help you physically. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm going to always go to the scriptures, I'm going to always go to prayer, I'm going to always start with spiritual disciplines. And, and so, what was happening here was these sons were just rebelling, and they were taking from God what was his, and saying, no, it belongs to us. And then they're also doing something a lot more blatant than that. They were having sex in front of the tent of meeting with women. 
Like, how egregious is that, right? How blatant is that? I walked into Jarvis this morning, I didn't see anyone having sex outside on the front steps, right? So you guys are like, I'm good. Like, I'm not doing that. Right? But think about this for a second. Well, the tent of meeting there, what was that? That's, the, that's where they worship God, right? That is the tabernacle that eventually became the temple, right? Where's the temple of the Holy Spirit now? It's us. It's you. It's me. We are the tent of meeting now. The presence of God resides in us now, according to the prophets. Right? The Spirit of God dwells here. We are the Holy of Holies now. Right? And how many of you are just rampantly living out your sexuality? What you look at, what you watch, what you listen to, uh, what you let your eyes feast on. How many of you guys are having sex right now with your significant other? How many, and thinking, oh, well, there's no consequences. Oh, there's grave spiritual consequences for that, guys. Hebrews says this. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 says this. It says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Actually, let me go back up one verse before that. <laughs> Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Holiness, when you are holy, people see the Lord. That's what he's saying there. When you're holy, people see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Why? So that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Verse 16, that no one is sexually immoral. See to it that no one is sexually immoral. Or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. Poor Esau. I mean, Esau's like, that was 2,000 years ago. Why are you bringing it up now? But, uh, but Esau, he's, he says, don't be sexually immoral like Esau. Esau wasn't sexually immoral on that point, but he uses Esau as an example, who sold his birthright for a single meal. How many of you guys are selling your birthright as a son or daughter of the living God for a single sexual encounter? Oh, man. Like, if that's you in here, Come and like you should be confessing to the Lord right now, like, and and saying, God, I repent. I don't want that. I don't want to sell my birthright. I'm a son or daughter of God. Why would you sell that? Why would you sell that to this to to uh, Satan? Why would you exchange that so easily? Esau did it for a single meal, and we read that passage and we're like, what an idiot. We do it every day, guys and especially with the sexual sin. And so Eli's sons are doing that. They're having sex on the front steps, right? And, and that, can be, that might be your sin in here too. And, and because of that, this pronouncement of the house of, of, the house of Eli from the house of God comes upon, comes upon Eli. And that's where we pick up here. So back to this passage. I'm going to roll through this. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim, so he's dying, but, Esa, but Eli has served the Lord for a long time, guys. So he's been there in the temple. He's, he's been there. Notice back in verse 1, Samuel is ministering to the Lord, but he's doing it in the presence of Eli. Just note that. Don't say he's doing it in the presence of the Lord. He's doing it in the presence of Eli. Okay, remember that. Well, I'll come back to that. So Eli, he's about to die. 
but he's, he's been doing this a long time. He was lying down in his place, in his own place. Verse 3, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Guys, he's in the temple where the ark is. Do you know what the ark represents in the Old Testament? It represents the presence of God. It's the ark would go before the people when they, when they went forward. It would, uh, if you touched it, it was like touching the presence of God. So you would, because you were unholy and the ark was holy, you would immediately die. So there in the temple of the Lord, he is. Samuel's laying down there. And the ark of God there, the presence of God is there. Verse 4, then the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. So Lord calls, we hear God's voice. Samuel says, here I am. But what does he do in verse 5? He doesn't say, yes, Lord. He runs to Eli. He says, here I am, you called me. But Eli says, no, I didn't call you. Lie down again. So he, he goes and lays down. Lord calls again, Samuel. Do you guys know what Samuel means, by the way? Samuel means the Lord hears. That God hears. All right, so basically he's saying to Samuel, hey, God hears you. God hears I'm listening. And Samuel still doesn't get it, right? So uh, he's like, that's my name. <laughs> and, and the Lord calls him again. And Samuel rose and he goes to Eli. He says, Jeremy, you call me? And Eli, you can see him getting frustrated. He's like old. He like needs to sleep, right? He's, he's like, uh, I didn't call you, my son. Lie down again. Verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He hadn't experienced the Lord yet. He doesn't know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So remember, he's been in the presence of Eli, right? Even though he's where the ark of God is, he doesn't yet know the Lord experientially. That's why he doesn't recognize his voice. You have a problem recognizing the voice of God? Maybe it's because you don't know the voice of God. Maybe it's because you don't know God. So we're going to see how Samuel gets to know God in this moment. Verse 8, the Lord calls him again the third time. Third time is the charm, right? No, it's not. He goes to Eli, and he says, here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceives something. He perceives that the Lord was actually calling the boy. And so Eli, who's old, wise, even though he's made a bunch of mistakes with his own sons, he recognizes Samuel is basically one of his sons, because he's raised him since he was a baby. So he recognizes in Samuel something else that God is calling him. And, and, and Eli, in that moment, speaks on God's behalf. Right? We can hear God's voice through a bunch of different ways. We can hear God's voice through the word. And I would say always start with the word of God, this Bible right here. Uh, we can hear God's voice through others, which is about to happen with Eli. We can hear God's voice through nature, according to Paul and Romans. We can hear God's voice through community. We can hear God's voice through music. We can hear God's voice through prayer. Prayer is not just a monologue, it's a dialogue. We can hear God's voice through silence and meditation. You can hear God's voice through any of the spiritual disciplines and art. And we, we can go on and on. There's different ways to hear God's voice. But how do you expect to hear the voice of God through those other means if you don't know what he's already said here. You can't. So you start here, okay? Most of us rely on circumstances to hear the voice of God. Oh, it's a sign, oh, that happens, it's a sign. I got fired from my job, it must be a sign that God wants me to have a new job. No, 
You were just lazy. You didn't show up on time, and you did your job poorly. Like, like we, but we evaluate circumstances like it's the voice of God. And you don't yet know how to evaluate that when you can't evaluate this properly. If you can't, if you can't read this properly and hear the voice of God here properly, then circumstances are going to be all over the place for you. You just get tossed to and fro by circumstances. But through this, through experience, you can actually learn how to interpret those, those other avenues well. Well, Eli is about to speak to Samuel here on the Lord's behalf, and he says in verse 8 to Samuel, go lie down, because he perceived that the Lord was calling the boy, and if he calls you, say this, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. Uh, every morning when I wake up, I say that phrase. Um, I read this passage, uh, I don't know, probably about four or five years ago. Isaac, where's Isaac? He was sitting in my living room. I think we were probably watching a Carolina Panthers game. We were talking about this passage, and he said, hey, have you ever thought about 1 Samuel 3 in terms of hearing and obeying the Lord? And I went in this passage, and it's been the passage I've used ever since on hearing, trusting, and obeying. Uh, thank you, Isaac. Like, it's been such a tremendous passage in the life of this church, too. All, our, all people who go through builder's orientation go through this passage. Um, and since then, I said, I want to put myself every morning in a posture of knowing God speaks and recognizing that and also saying, I'm his servant. I'm his son. I want to hear what he has to say. So it's not a magic phrase. It's not like, I'm not like conjuring anything. I'm just saying, it's the posturing of my heart and my attitude because God is already speaking as soon as I've gotten up, right? So he actually is speaking probably all through the night too. Um, so he says here, speak for your, uh, or say this, say this to him, speak, Lord, your servant hears. Oh, guys, just one more thing on that. That habit took me three or four days to do. When I did it three or four days consistently, now it's always, without hesitation, the first thought I had in my mind when I wake up. It only took three or four days of consistently doing that. Like, that's pretty amazing, right? How a habit can form so quickly. Think about it. If you read your Bible three or four days in a row, that's a habit, right? Or you're on your way there anyways. Uh, and think about what you do consistently. That is now a habit that's hard for you to break. You watch that certain show. You watch shows during this time. You listen to this certain artist. You, whatever it is, like think about what you're doing consistently and what habits that's forming in you and choose to do something else. So that breeds life in you. So he says here, uh, verse 10, and the Lord came and stood. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like because, yeah, but that's pretty amazing. He stands there and he's calling to Samuel as that other time, he says, Samuel, Samuel, the Lord hears, the Lord hears, right? That's what he's saying. God hears you. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. And the Lord says to him this prophecy. And we won't, we won't re, uh, I won't reread that because Michelle read it earlier, but it's basically a prophecy against the house of Eli. And it's strong. It's like there's forever language in there. There's tingling language in there. It's, it's a strong prophecy. And verse 15, Samuel lays until morning. So think about this. This is the first thing that Samuel has heard from the Lord, right? And it's a hard prophecy. Like, Samuel was like, ugh, do I want to hear from the Lord again if it's going to be like this? Right? But, but we see here that he does, and he, he, um, 
He, he wants to move forward, and he, he, he experiences God. So he lays there until morning. Don't say he slept peacefully or soundly. I, I picture Samuel, like, eyes wide open, like, what just happened? Like, what am I going to do with this piece of information? Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. He was afraid. He was scared because it was harsh words. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Don't hide it from me. May God do so to you more also if you hide anything from me. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Guys, such a hard word, right? And Eli says, it's the Lord. He's good. Let, just let it happen. Whatever is good to him is good for me. Can you say that? If God spoke a harsh thing to you like that, would you be able to say that? God, I trust you. There's not just hearing, is there? There's trusting. There's trusting that he's good. And then obeying and saying, whatever, God, whatever you want, whatever is good. Eli does that in those moments. And that actually releases Samuel. That actually releases him. And Samuel, in verse 19, he grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Remember he was in the presence of Eli at the beginning? Well, he's in the presence of the Lord now. The Lord was with him. And all Israel from the north to the south, Dan and Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a mouthpiece, as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared to him again. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord. Guys, God doesn't just want a personal relationship with you. He wants a covenant relationship with you. He's not just satisfied in, in this personal relationship. He wants a covenant relationship. We see that as Samuel grows, as he grows in stature, as he grows in favor with God and with others, he does this for the community. He does this for everybody. He does this for the entire country, the entire people of God he does this for, right? And he grows in stature. Do you want to learn to recognize the voice of God? And stop choosing death over life. Stop choosing curse over blessing. Stop choosing culture over Christ. Choose to hear the voice of God through this word, through this book. I just start here. And you say, well, I don't know how to read the word of God. Do you know how to read? Well, then just read it. Like, it's not, it's not rocket science, guys. Like, do you know how I learned how to read the Word of God? I read it over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and I can keep on going over again. That's how I learned how to read it. There's no magic bullet. There's no magic pill. There's no, like, unlocking. There's just, like, I just read it over and over again. I trusted that when the scripture says, meditate on the law day and night, and it'll make you like a tree planted by streams of water, like the tree of life, I trusted that that was true. You trust that that's true? You want to learn how to recognize the voice of God? Then read the word of God. Most of you are still listening to a monkey. You're still trusting a monkey to give you your truth. Our truth needs to come from God, from the scriptures. And we get to do that together. 
This community is a community of biblical interpretation. It's a community of hermeneutic. We get to do this together. So let's step forward in a hearing, trusting, obeying as a church. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is true, that it is uh, holy, that it is alive, that it is active. And it's because you were the word made flesh. You died on a cross, but you didn't just die. You rose from the grave and you conquered sin. You conquered death. You conquered uh, life. You gave us a new life. We are new creations in you. Thank you, Jesus. Please help us stop choosing the things that aren't beneficial for us. Lord, we need your power. We need your help for that. So we choose you, Spirit. Do do your work in our hearts now, we ask in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.